Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, you look great. I'm uh, pretty and plaid. What is it about you that you look so great right now? I'll tell you. I got new lighting. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> it's just the lighting. It's wow. It's the lighting. Yeah, no, it's, it looks great. You look great. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. So I have had a song stuck in my head for about three weeks now. Does this happen to you? Sure. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I went to see that movie, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. which, you know, is based on the Broadway musical, which I, I liked. And there's a song in there called You Will Be Found. You will be found when the lights come shining through. You will be found, right? Is that the, is the, are those the lyrics? No, I, I don't know any of the lyrics. That's one of the stupid <laughs> things about it. The only part I know is you will be found. But it just keeps playing on a loop. And so what I have to do to get out of that is to find another song that gets stuck in my head. So the song is You Too, uh, Stuck in a Moment. You just got stuck in a moment and you can't get out of it. So now I've got that stuck in my head. But I, I'm happy that I've got Dear Evan Hansen out of my head. Yeah, I'm telling you, my head is a scary place. You do Oh, not. God, I, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary know. to me. What is, that, what is that phenomenon of a, a song getting stuck in your head? What's that about? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny how people are always like, oh, thank you for doing that. Because now it's in my head. You know, it becomes <laughs> contagious. It it's really like, is. Um, that's that, um, the jingle for a 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. I don't even know the lyrics to that one. It's played a hundred <laughs> times on the radio. Yeah, yeah get your car, car today. today. And it's just the kids. They're so obnoxious. And they're it's playing just, those instruments. They're, and they're, and they're they not really they're playing. They're not really playing. <laughs> Which annoys me. It's like, couldn't you find kids that could really play the instruments? I know. It's so lame. Such so I out. hear it in my car a lot when I'm listening to like MSNBC mostly. And, uh, and as soon you, as I, MSNBC, I'm shocked. What? And then as, as soon as I see, because they have like the crawl that says that this is on, like in between, you know, during their commercial break, they'll show you what is on. And right. I have to like, I can't shut it off soon enough. <laughs> but that song gets in my head. And that's oh, like, that's, that's a sticky worst. song. Oh, the original is uh, It's a Small World After All. Oh, it's yeah. a, by the way, people listening to this are like, God, damn you people. <laughs> now this song is stuck in my head. Yeah, I don't know. There must be something scientific about it or physiologic about physiological about it that it, that songs get stuck in your head. I don't even know if that's the right word, physiological. But but you know what's weird? It's that hmm. I can listen to other songs. Only only like annoying songs seem to get stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like songs that I really like. I don't ever. You know. Ever. Yeah. You know. Like if I hear, you know, like a Beatles song or, you know, or anything, you know, anything that I really like, a Bruce Springsteen song. No. Although, just check this. She loves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I'm telling you, Beatles songs probably do it too. Yeah, but those uh, I don't mind as much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're classics. All right. Uh, so we got a really cool guest today. Um, he was a star in the Australian television series, The Code. He did Steven Spielberg's Terra Nova, the series Manhattan, made by filmmaker Sam Shaw, designated survivor for ABC, one of our favorite shows, Succession, and on and on. His new series is The Lost Symbol. It's based on the Dan Brown novel. It is airing on Peacock. Ashley Zuckerman joins us. Ashley, thanks so much for doing this. You, you got it. Thanks for having me. So I definitely want to talk about The Lost Symbol, which is really fun. I'm a big Dan Brown fan. Love the show. Uh, but let us let me get some backstory. I actually uh, spent some time in Australia. You were raised in Melbourne. Um, I was a network anchor for the Olympics in Sydney back in 2000. Had an amazing time. Fell in love with the country. Uh, what what makes Australians unique in the world? That's an interesting question. I, th- I think it's changed. I, I think my my view of that has changed over time. I, I think we're a genuinely optimistic people. I, th- I think we really, I think we always try to see the best in a situation. Sometimes to a fault. I think sometimes that might mean that we that we end up. It takes us a while to see the. Um, like the more insidious forces we're sort of just naturally inclined to just you know think the best of people or think think people want the best of situations we're very polite we're very we're very friendly and um yeah I, th- I think that's i think that that's probably the most like, like the most universally defining quality of quality of australian when you were growing up in melbourne i'm curious because i know you did a lot of stage stuff were is Melbourne like the Hollywood of Australia? Is it the Broadway of Australia? How does how does that work over there? We don't. I, I, I don't think we really have uh, that kind of delineation. We're, it's just a smaller community there, and it's uh, you know being being in the industry means that you'll work every anywhere. Like any any actor in Melbourne might work in Sydney, might work in Adelaide, might work in Perth. It, there's not really it's not like one is for theater and one is for um movies like the classic american delineation like i I think you just the the expectation is that you'll be anywhere but it's kind of quick and easy to get around um and so the expectation is that's the expectation but i I think melbourne i mean the classic example is that a melbourne is more indoors and sydney's more outdoors that that's that's sort of the the um what's the word like the like, like, like that, that that's that's the narrative that that's been built up and i don't know how true it is but but i that's definitely my experience i'm from melbourne so and i love a coffee shop i love just staying inside and and um and and while people friends from sydney love to go to the beach and go out that's the that's the kind of the classic model so what's this tall poppy syndrome that i hear about in australia <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think we. It's it's it, there's this belief a little bit. I mean, a few there's a few countries that have it that that this that, that, that there's a there's this idea that you shouldn't like big yourself like like don't think you're any bigger than anyone else or don't try to be any bigger than anyone else and and so as soon as someone so so that happens both internally in people that 
everyone kind of like always whenever they're connecting it, it, uh, i'm talking in generalizations but but so it have i think it takes a form that when in 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 the individual when you're referring you know you're very humble you don't give away your like achievements and things like that because you don't want to seem like you're being grandiose about your own about yourself but and then it happens in others when um if anyone gets too big we 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 do seem to be as a people we like to cut them down a little bit we like, and that's the tall poppy syndrome that you all the you cut all the tall flowers so that everyone's at the same height and uh, but I, I think that's something that we've shook off a little bit there's a lot of old myths about australia that that i think don't really play anymore that that i think we're, we're sort of it's becoming a little clearer who we are as a people. And I hope that's one of them because that's something it's, it's so unhelpful because it means then that anyone that does achieve something great, uh, it, it means it's not respected as much as it, it's not shown for what it is. And so, so I hope we, we lose that. It sounds like um, you're all very mentally healthy <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it, but uh, you know we're like anywhere. Like it's a, it's, it's you know Australia's uh, a, a got got its issues. I don't know, like it, like anywhere. All right, so I I was looking up some stuff, some fun things that Australians do, and I wanted to ask you if you've ever done any of these things. Okay, okay. all right. Okay, so yeah. hang a sack of wine to a clothesline. Brilliant. No. No, but, but before I, but, but I, I hope I'm not misrepresenting Australians here because I think it, it's, it's important to say that like my parents, I was born in the States uh, yeah. and my, and my parents are from Israel and from Peru. They moved to Australia with me and my um, three siblings when they were in their late twenties, early thirties. And so in in a way, like we would never, we never had an Australian upbringing, like a lot of my friends did, or whatever that classically so called Australian upbringing is. And so, uh, I'll be impressed if I hit any yeses here. But but let's let let's see. I, we were always just a little different. Oh, okay, okay. So that all right, that makes sense. Um, did you ever drink alcohol out of a shoe? <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I interest you in a whiskey ever, sour? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone drinking alcohol out of a shoe. Okay, I just these are real things on the internet, by the way. Yes, these are real, real. things. These are um, real things that Australians do. Yeah, that's what they say. According okay. to the World Wide Web, yeah. Um, have you ever have you ever made coffee in an avocado? <laughs> Oh, that might, yeah, that's a new trend I think that's happening, right? Like that's, a, that's, um, I, I haven't, I think I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen, I, I can, I can attest. Okay, that's okay. You, get ha- you get half a point for seeing it. In an avocado. Uh, yeah, that, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah. Hey. Okay. And this is just classic. Do you eat Vegemite? I do. I do eat Vegemite. What is Vegemite? <laughs> What is it? Okay, here I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get evicted from Australia for for, for this. Um, it's a yeast be- yeast based paste. Sounds yummy, and it's incredibly salty, mm-hmm. and it's incredibly sour. And uh, you can put it on some toast or 
well, that's kind of it. That's all you do. <laughs> Just put it on. <laughs> I was trying to come up with the other option. Other okay. uses all of right. Vegemite. Yeah. All right. I want to yeah. ask you, have you ever eaten it out of a shoe? <laughs> right. <laughs> so what was the first movie that made a big impression on you? It, you know, I, 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 speak to a lot, I, I talk to a lot of my friends and I, I think through the lens of history as as i've gotten to know myself a little better like the the reason why i became an actor seems to have changed over and over again and i'm i'm, I'm learning more and more about why that was and at the beginning it, it always it probably always struck me as a need for attention and then now it's something else um but but i i it's funny that I, as an even though i'm an actor I, I i never had that moment of going like wow uh uh that's some that that's something I would like to do, you know, with my life because I've saw it happening. It's funny I never had that, but but in terms of like a film that it's 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 quite it's quite a random um, film. But there's there it's you might you might help me. It's a, it's a remake. George Clooney made this remake, and it was broadcast live um, of oh you know yeah, I mean? it was broadcast live on on television, right? That's right. He made it with oh, an incredible cast, and and I remember staying up. That just came up, and it was right before my uh, year twelve exams, and I, I couldn't stop watching it. I had to sleep, and I, and I couldn't stop watching. I just thought it was one of the most thrilling things I've ever seen, and I forgot the name. That which okay. is more, I'm looking at. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, we're both fail we're safe. both scrambling. Fail, fail, fail safe. safe. Fail, fail safe. And that, that I, I thought that that was just the. One, there's a quality to the work because it aired live. It it smelt and tasted more like theatre than anything. The, the, because the performances are so uh, um, raw and obviously unedited and uh, and control and, and uncontrolled. It, it's just the actor and the material and and the style and 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 I I, I carried that with me for a really long time. There's something that I, I found. I, I really recommend anyone to watch. It's a remake of, of I think, a film from the 50s. And yes, yeah, it, yes. It, it yeah. was a play, actually. Was it a play? Yes, it yes. was a play. Yes. And, yes. Mm -hmm. and a book? Might have even... Not sure. Yeah. Not sure, but it says it was a play. And yeah. I, I actually do remember it from Me many, too. many years ago. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that, that, that there's quality to that, of, of that, the real... That, that. So in terms of uh, something that actually affected me more than it, like... like Viscerally, I carried with me for a while. There was that. There was also um, Christopher Nolan's Memento. Oh, yeah. Great. I had left um, the theater having my brain rewired like yeah. after seeing that. And so it, for me, like my, my parents are both academics and we grew up in a very academic household. There's no, there was no like, uh, path artistic path that i just that i knew i didn't know how this how these work so I, I was always very slow to discover all of these things and um so it's been kind of a slow growth and and and, and now i think i'm you know I'm yeah able to live it a little more so you did a show called terra nova which was produced by steven spielberg and when you sign up for a spielberg project do you feel like oh yeah i i i'm i made it in in my business that's interesting i i think i knew even then i mean the first thing that i ever my the first tv show i ever did which um was the show called the pacific yes which, which was produced by um steven spielberg as well and 
and he and and that was I, I, I'll go back now. I'll say this. I, I don't know if I've still if I still feel like I've made it. I, I think that that's something that is just going to like it'll. I, I wonder if I'll ever feel like like that. I, I think that I'm, I'm I'm lucky that I do something that it seems to just scare me every time. And I, and I think if I and and that is a sign that I'm, I'm always reaching for something else and something I haven't done before. Like every role seems to require something else and a different way of doing things. And so, so there's never this feeling like I've settled into this, but I, I think it, I, I knew, I knew, I, I was, I was very fortunate. I think by the time I did Terra Nova, because that was, I had done a, a show in Australia for four years in between those two jobs, which was, which is, I think, where I, which really taught me how to work. Um, and I remember thinking, I think on Terra Nova, I thought like, oh, I might be able to do this for life now, even though I had done it for four or five years. The industry is so small in Australia, and there's and there's not. Um, it's 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 never something that feels completely settled. But once I did Terra Nova, I did think, okay, that this is something I might be able to, uh, I might be allowed to do for my life. Um. You were part of one of our favorite shows, which is uh, Succession, and you had that big arc last season. You were the political guy who's having an affair with Siobhan, and that show is so well written. The, the, the family is so rich. By the way, proves that uh, money does not buy happiness. Um, what, what's it like on the set of that show with all the, all the great actors? It's, it's funny that what, what I've learned is that when you bring all of you know, we have a room full of people at the top of their game and that's not just the actors, but every member of the crew is just uh, so proficient and also excited and, and energized and excited that, that that doesn't necessarily lead to great work happening. That like that those, we, those environments sometimes create a bad environment or bad work and, or bad, who am I to judge? But like, yeah, but it doesn't often lead to something like succession and but there's something about the culture on that show which is just really special there's a genuine sense of of inspiration but irreverence and and it means that everyone that there's real creativity happening there and, and everyone's in everyone's sort of asked to be as creative as they want to be which is sort of remarkable given Given that, given the talent of the people making it, typically it's sort of it, there's a feeling of like, oh, let's revere this thing and try to try to reach for it and try to match it. But here, it's everyone is seems to be really empowered to just be as creative as they can be, and that and that, and that I think is one of the reasons that set just feels so great, and and then, so it just feels very just feels very real it's sort of remarkable they they it's so funny and watching it back it's it's sort of funny it's it's amazing how how much of a tv show it is but in the making of it it just feels real it, it's it's quite it's quite remarkable yeah it's it's a very hard thing to describe and something i hope i'll be able to do a few more times over its run and i'll be able to, hopefully i'll be able to jump back in so that and I can experience it a little more, but it's just a very special place. I'm so glad it's 
sort of hit the zeitgeist. Yeah, you know, watching it, um, it's it's hard to decipher what is what the actors are saying that was written on the page and what they've had the liberty to do because so many of the asides that the actors do seem so genuinely in the moment. Yeah. And they, is that did, did is that accurate that there are times that they just cuz I look at Kieran Culkin a lot of times and I'm like, "Oh my god, he just said that." <laughs> I think in my in my very limited experience uh, f- from being on it that, that they do try to create an uh, an environment where improvisation is fine and can happen but i think in the at the end of the day like most of the lines are scripted that i think kieran is one i think a couple of others for sure like maybe they improvise something that ends up being in it but t- typically i think the improvisation serves sometimes for material because the the writers have that incredible balance of seeming like to be completely irreverent despite being perfect and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's quite remarkably, but yet they're very open to something. If there were, if there was a better idea and there just usually isn't, um, I'm sure they'd be open to it. So I think so, but, but the quality of improvisation creates, it goes to serve that culture. I think. So, all right. So I'm going to ask you a kind of a plot question. Um, your character had an affair with Siobhan. Do you think, Shiv actually loves Tom. You know, I, I think a lot about this. No, 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 not about that. But like, whether what 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 it must be like to be in that world. Like, they live in a they live in an alternate reality to us. I don't. It's it would be very easy to say that those people don't experience or need love. Um and that they're just ambitious and think about other things, that, that feels just a little too easy. I, I think it's more that, like, we, are, we, always, we all learn from our whatever environment we grew up, grow up in and what we spend time in. And they just choose to spend time in a place where power and money mean, or money is as power means more than anything else. So what is validation? Maybe it's more power than anything but then there are times when i I believe it i I, the way the way sarah and matthew play those scenes i i I see love i I see whatever i see seeds of love and uh, genuine need and 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 passion and wanting the best for each other i i but but their their greater wiring seems to constantly take over it's 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 fascinating that's what i think why it seems to one of the reasons it seems so interesting to people is that it, it it doesn't simplify that that group of people none of these characters are arch i think they, they all need something so i have uh, read all the big dan brown novels uh da vinci code and angels and demons and on and on and of course read the lost symbol um first of all were you a reader of of the books before you you got the role in the yeah, lost I symbol hadn't. I hadn't read them, which is, uh, which is, <laughs> I guess, what it is. Which Dan Brown knows. He, he knows I hadn't read them beforehand. He knows I've read them now. Um, but I, I hadn't read them. I, I, I watched the movie and I was the movies and I obviously and I read the script. And uh, it, luckily, I, I, I think now, like, it was lucky that they hired me 
anyway that my response to the material in the script was what they were looking for because then I got to um I got to read these five books I had 3000 pages of material to read about someone I was about to play that's sort of a unheard of um an unheard of piece of you know of research available to me so luckily I got to read all the books but through the lens of hey I'm I'm going to play this person what behavior am I seeing what can I play with? What can I take? What can I use? So millions and millions and millions of people around the world have, have read these books, right? I mean, yeah. these this series is just huge. What's it like to be playing a literary character that is familiar to so many people? I think the mental gymnastics I did to prepare for this very quickly was like make the switch of thinking, well, I'll say this: there, there was there was a few reasons why I was able to use that as an advantage rather than something that weighed on me. One is because our story, even though it's the third book of the series, we're using it as a, a as a as a prequel of sorts. Like we're 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 making him into a a younger. We're exploring him as a younger man. Yeah, it's kind of an origin story, right? Kind of an origin story, even though it's based on the material in the third book which means that there was some distance between me and the character that everyone understood. So I, I started to think that it was actually a very nice thing that everyone carried an, an opinion of, the, of, of him. Also, because when you read those books, I mean, I think you could ask 10 people who Robert Langdon is and they would all have different opinions on, on who he is. I think that's one of the power, powers of those books is that um, also if you're a person of faith, you read, you, you read it and you're, and you read it, and you're validated, and also que- and, and you're challenged. If you're a person of, of of no faith or reason or cynicism, whatever whatever you call the opposite of faith, I think you also get validated and also get challenged. So every, those books, I think, are so powerful because they speak to whoever whoever you are. And Robert Langdon is sort of this person who sits in for you, I think, most of the time. So I so. Because I'm playing a, a younger version and, 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 and an origin story, then I think I, I just liked that people were going to bring the, that, their own opinion to it so that they could see that the person I'm playing is the person that will one day become the person they imagine. And I think that then took the pressure off me, thinking I needed to please everyone or, you know, uh, or match anybody. So that, that was the... That was the main thing. And also, I also just loved that, you know, TV, there's so much good TV being made and it's so hard for it to be, you know, to, you know, a lot of TV gets cancelled because it doesn't find the audience. How lucky to play something that people already have a connection to. And, um, and, and that's, yeah, it's only, uh, I, I now think of it as only a good thing. And now it's up to us to just, you know, take that material and, and fly with it, I think. So I read that um, Tom Hanks was um, was supposed to um, reprise his role in this, and then they they changed it. But I want to know, as an actor, the fact that Tom Hanks played this character as the older self was that challenging for you in a way because you already had seen who he became older. Well, I think all the same. I think in a way, not not really. I mean, one like. Tom Hanks, one of my favorite actors of all time. Like, I, I, I don't need to 
No, you don't need to sell us on uh, on Tom Hanks. <laughs> no, <laughs> the guy. Sure, but I also don't need to convince myself that I'll ever match him. Like that would be like a, quite quite an insane pursuit. But but I think that um, I I did just think that we're both working from the same source material. I think that it's really about the books for me. I, I think that's more like like we can't help like the zeitgeist gets changed by every new edition. And I think a lot of people do carry Tom Hanks in their mind when they think of Robert Langdon and, and that can't be helped. But I think in terms of the work, it's, it's just, I, I think we're both, I imagine we're just both mining the books, mining the books and the scripts we have in front of us. And so a then, lot. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's, and it's just a nice thing. I mean, it's funny that on the Pacific, so we did this boot camp, a 14 day boot camp on the Pacific and he flew out cause he had, um, he, he was an executive producer and he produced Band of Brothers after doing Saving Private, Saving Private Ryan, and which is another, I, actually that's a film that, speaking of films that like, sure. touch me. And, um, he flew out and actually spoke to us. There were 80 or so people in this boot camp and he just gave this speech in this boot camp and that's the closest I ever got to him mm. as a person. And so now I play the same guy. So the thing I like about Lost Symbol is that it's, you know, it's about the United States. It's about United States history. And there are great Easter eggs that our founding fathers kind of left for us. I like that sort of almost educational sort of aspect of it. You know what I mean? I do. I do. I think that that's one of, I mean, in a way, I think we're very lucky. the, The story I heard about the Lost Symbol as a film was that they tried they first tried to make it a, like the, I think there was a few scripts in the works, but then national treasure came out around the same time. So it didn't, they wanted to delay. So they went to Inferno, I think instead, but I think, so we're very lucky that whatever, for whatever reason, it became the jumping off point for the series because it is about America. And that's such a, such a helpful thing to, you know, to, to, to join us all. It's also about his family, about his adopted family and that that's another great way to start a series um but i do love that it's about i, I think you know like the america speaking of symbols like america the constitution founding fathers like all these things have become symbols and symbols i think is something yeah you know, because we obviously we explore it in the show it's some symbols that change over time that's the whole point and so 300 years ago, the idea of America, the, the idea of a founding father, the idea of the Constitution is very different to the opinion we have of them now. And, and, and yet we hold on to them. Those are some beliefs we get co-opted. Some organizations co-opt those beliefs. So I think it, I'm, I love that our show gets to talk about the, the, the original ideas behind those things who the founding fathers, whoever they, you know, who who they actually were rather than a single monolithic entity. Yeah, it is really fascinating um, when they've, in the, in the first episode, you know, flashing back to a swastika, you know, for where, whence it came and even the QAnon symbol. Yeah. And Steve, I don't know if you remember this, Ashley, you're, you're much younger, but when I was a kid, we used to play this game where you put your, you made that QAnon circle and you would just put it out for uh, like someone to see. And if your friend looked at it, 
and didn't put oh. their finger through it and yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Move, and remove that. it, you'd yeah. punch them in the arm. And if they got it, <laughs> they would punch you in the arm. And it's so bizarre to me to see how it's being used today. That, that's right. And and I mean that's a that's a fantastic. The, the OK symbol is yes. a is a fantastic like example of how symbols are co opted. And the story. Do you know the story behind the OK symbol? No. So so it was. Like, how long do you think the OK symbol was a sign of, uh, of, of like, a, a right-wing dog whistle? Like, how, how, how long would you imagine that, like, that's been the case for? Right-wing dog whistle. 20, 20 years, maybe? 20 years? Yeah. Right. So, I, 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 I think it was in 2017, a Reddit or 4chan group decided, as a prank, they would start saying that the, that the OK symbol now um meant meant was a right-wing dog whistle and that so that to try to get what they described as the mainstream media to say that the okay symbol is a dirty sign mm-hmm. and so that and so and so to the effect that when the mainstream said you're not allowed to do the okay symbol all everyone else in america would then say how dare you i've been doing that for my whole life and then it, it worked so well that it actually became a symbol for the Proud Boys and, and, and for the uh, ultra-right, that it actually became the symbol that it, would, hmm. that, it immediately, that, that it had pretended to be, and it feels like it's been around forever. So it was invented as that in 2017. Wow. That's it. Hmm. It's, and it's it, like, like what a perfect exa- example of how symbols change. And now, yeah. now, you can't, now you can't do it because it actually became that. So you got a great villain in this thing, um, which, you know, every, every great story needs a great villain. And this guy, Malak, um, is uh, a su- super genius. It seems like he's thought of absolutely everything. And he's got the tattoos all over. How do they do the tattoos? Is that uh, like a, a, are they fake tattoos? Is that a body thing he puts on? It, it, they, so Bo Knapp, who plays Malak brilliantly, um, gets called to work six hours before anyone else to get those really piece by piece, those tattoos you know, transferred to him. That's crazy. Yeah. He, he's turned it, that into an art form and preparation of, of its own. It's sort of a remarkable thing, but sort of as for our story as well, like what a perfect foil like if every if we keep thinking about the lost symbol as the perfect thing to start a series with like here's langdon who's technically a cynic even though he has this like need to believe and there's malak who's a fanatic so they're the perfect like they're perfectly at odds from me from each other there was that uh one scene i believe you're in the basement of the library of congress is that where you were yeah yeah. Um, where was that shot? In in studio in Toronto. It, it, they, they built they built it. it it's it's the, brilliant. The design and, and construction team. Uh, it, it, it's it's quite remarkable. And as the show goes on, like like you'll see more and more like what what they were able to achieve in studio. Rocco, who designed it, uh, he 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 really he he. he we wrapped, so we wrapped filming about a week ago and 
he told me as we were out, we were talking and he said, I, I, I just made sure that the team understood that it, it wasn't just important that it look right, but that it feel right as well. So that when you walk in the space, you, you feel like you're there. And uh, I, I mean, it's in the book, so I, I think I can say it, but there's the, the Masonic temple that, that we see later on. Yeah. It's all built and, and it is, it's a, it's a piece of art in itself. And it's, I find it, I find it actually very moving when, when, so much effort and so much talent goes into something that stands there for two days and, of filming and then gets taken down. I, I find that mm. it, it's, it's theater. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a good show. Such a good show. You know, I, we've been asking people this question um, since the pandemics. Uh, what, what have you learned about yourself during the pandemic? I wrote that down, by the way. I wrote, wrote out that question because we've been using it a lot. No, sure. It's a good question. I think, God, I mean, there, there have been a lot of lessons in the last few years about the world we live in, Me Too Movement and Black Lives Matter. I mean, there's lessons for anyone who wants to take a lesson in, like, as a, as a young white guy, like, to, I, you know, it's been edu- uh, an education and privilege for the last few years. And and so I learned about like, a lot about about that about, about like what where I've internalized all of these things and you know where my behaviors are judged by the by by the patriarchy and about like living in a white white society. I think that's been pretty like uh, that's something that because we all stopped and settled and were able to think for a little while. That's something I thought a lot about, and then that led to. I, I just spend a lot of time thinking about like all the ways how being wired from childhood is like led to led to behaviors now. Not being very specific, but I don't think I can be. I think that there's like, uh, but I think I I can't say how lucky I am that I was able to stop and I didn't and I wasn't scared. I, I had a safe place that I could be. I, I I didn't have to worry about going to work, and so. Like I know that that itself was a privilege, but it did mean that because I was able to stop, which I haven't done probably my whole life, I did. I was able to think, and I was able to just listen, and I was able to just and and uh, yeah, a lot came up. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Peacock is where you can find the Lost Symbol. It is uh, such a great. You can go back and start from the beginning and and binge up until I forget where we are, episode six, episode seven, somewhere like that, right? Yeah, uh, it is a great show. It's an education, but it's also it's got a great villain and Robert Langdon, who we all know from all the books. It's it's really, really cool. So congratulations on the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Sue. And and it's really great meeting you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. By the way, thanks for putting up with all our dumb Australia questions, too. (laughs) I like that. It you know, I need, I need ju- to brush up. It was our juvenile uh, part of the show. I know. <laughs> All right. Hey, Ashley, thanks a lot, man. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There you have it. Ashley Zuckerman and the uh, lost. The best thing about reading a Dan Brown novel. Have you read Dan Brown novels? I read Da Vinci Code. Okay. So the best thing about Dan Brown novels, short chapters. Short uh-huh. chapters, because yeah. you always feel like you're making, like, I read 10 chapters. It may only be 20 pages, but I read 10 chapters. I feel like I'm making progress. 
Yeah. And I don't like leaving a chapter in the middle. I like finishing the chapter. And I always, I always go ahead. It's like, oh my God, 50 pages in this chapter. <laughs> yeah, You're killing me. 50 page chapter. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really fun show though. Um, and it is, I learned stuff about American history and, and uh, it's dramatic. And that Malak character is like super, super creepy villain. He is so creepy. I can't believe those are all, those tattoos are all applied every day. And just the way, I mean, in the effects, how they just like appeared on his body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So it's on Peacock. Go check it out. Speaking of checking something out, um, it's actually, as we record this, it's raining um, in Los Angeles. And uh, you know what? Uh, when When it's raining outside, people drive like hell. Everybody's always like, hey, this is the first time I've ever driven in the rain. I don't actually know what I'm doing. Uh, and uh, accidents go way up. Um, there are all kinds of car accidents, motorcycle accidents, all that stuff that goes on when it rains uh, and, and goes on every day in Los Angeles. And the one thing I always like to emphasize with uh, Jacob Ramrani, who makes this show possible every time, is that he's a real guy. Like, uh, I'm going to uh, see the LAFC tomorrow night with uh, with Jacob. He's a real guy, real sports fan. I see him at Laker games. We text back and forth. Um, he's not just the biggest and the best. He's also somebody who's going to give your case very, very personal attention. And he's got a team of people that will help him do it. So if you are involved in any kind of accident, rain or not, uh, you want Jacob and Ronnie. 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call, call Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking that. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm taking that. That's I'll good. take that all the way to the bank. Baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, Sue, fun today. Thanks. Again, you look great. Congratulations on the new lighting. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, and you will be found when the uh, oh no, don't. Through, da, 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 da. I don't no. even know the words. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Cars for kids. A A R S. Cars yeah, that's for our kids. gift to everybody listening right now. All right, <laughs> hey, uh, we'll see you next time, Sue. All right, and we'll see. Oh, don't forget if you're uh, listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, you can always rate and review the show. We appreciate that a lot, and we will see everybody on the next. Yes, Milos. Oh, Milos Jelenkovic, who uh, works on the show every week for us. We appreciate Milos, and we'll see you next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. 